Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. says I have, I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. I began a series last week entitled Grace Anatomy. The analysis of grace or uh, in our soul. I want to welcome all of you watching online. Again, uh, this is the way I like to kick off a year. Let me tell you why. I, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I would think, okay, we're going to have a vision month, January's vision month, and uh, that's great, nothing wrong with that. And then there's prayer and fasting. A lot of churches will go to, let's start the year by praying and fasting. And, and I agree with all of those. I do. However, without grace, we are incapable human beings of experiencing anything that God has. If, if the very outset or onset of our relationship with God is the, because of grace, think about it, it's the foundation of our lives. And even with prayer and fasting, uh, if I were to ask, uh, you know, I went on the street and asked even Christians, what does that mean to you? And some people would say, well, it's depriving my flesh of of, you know, bringing it in submission to uh, God. That's great. It's awesome. Uh, some people would say, well, I'm, 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 I'm fasting for certain things. I'm fasting that I'll, you know, find the right mate or get the right job or whatever. And again, uh, I, with that, I would say, well, really, the, the idea of fasting to me and praying to me is not to get God to do what I want Him to do, but to find out what God is doing so that I can be a part of it. Because whatever God has for you is far better than what you are believing Him for. And so when we pray and we fast, we're not trying to change God's mind concerning our desires. We're trying to change our minds concerning His desires. That, God, I want to connect with what you're doing. But that takes an incredible amount of grace, understanding that we are saved only because of His work and what He's done for us and our willingness to embrace and accept that. So in Luke chapter 15, again, I read part of this last week, it's one of the greatest stories in the Bible to me because it is the greatest contrast between grace and religion or legalism. And think about it this way. Legalism is, I don't think everyone who is religious or legalistic has a bad heart. I think sometimes we just lack understanding. Uh, some of us grew up in a denomination. Again, I'm not blasting denominations, but I'm saying we created a system that in our minds would protect the people in our churches. We created a list of do's and don'ts, and, and actually if people did not keep that list of do's and don'ts, they were oftentimes either neglected or rejected. If you can't keep these, uh, then, you know, we'll let you maybe be a part of our church, but not a real important part of our church. Uh, I grew up with a dad who, uh, in my early years, I rarely saw him, and when he did go to church, 
he had this habit of either smoking a cigar, chewing tobacco. It was just one of the things he grew up with. Well, in that particular church, because he did that, he was not allowed to participate in communion or even be an usher in the church. Uh, but he was a good man, and he loved God, but he loved God in a different way than the structure said. And again, I'm not blasting it. I'm just trying to get you to see that religion does not draw man to God. Religion actually repels us. And even the good intentions of, you say, well, but it's bad for him. Well, what's good for everyone is that we love everyone. That's what the Bible says, above all things that we are to love, love never fails. You say, well, if you love people doing the wrong thing, will they ever do right? You might want to ask God that question because that's exactly what he did when he sent Jesus. We were doing things totally wrong, and God said they're doing it wrong, so I'm going to send someone to represent my love to that, that people and uh, extend my grace to them. And I think sometimes we have a good heart in trying to help people, but you can't require someone. Most people, the requirements are repelling to our fallen nature. So it's not what we require of others that will change them. It's what we inspire in others that will change them. So if you've been working on your spouse for a long time, you don't like what they're doing, and all you ever do is criticize the things they do wrong, why don't you start telling them the things they do right? Why don't you inspire them? Just, just driving down the road, say, you sure look great today. Sure appreciate what you did. Even though they did five things wrong, they did one thing right. Why don't you just talk about the one thing they did right? And then next week, they'll do two things right. Next month, they'll do three things right. Why? Because they are encouraged, inspired, they're appreciated. And that's what grace does. Religion always has a leash on people. Always has a leash on people. And, and so today, I'm going to try to get us through this. And you'll see this. I'm reading this uh, uh, expanded version, if you will. And he said there was a certain man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the part of uh, the property that falls to me. And he divided the estate between them. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered up all that he had and journeyed into a distant country. And there he wasted his fortune in reckless and loose from restraint living. And when he had spent all he had, a mighty famine came upon the country. And he began to fall behind and be in want. So he went and forced himself upon uh, one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed hogs. And he would gladly have fed on and filled his belly with carob pods that the hogs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger, and nobody gave him anything better. Then when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have enough food and even food to spare, but I'm perishing, dying here of hunger. I will set up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, came to his own father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity and tenderness for him, and he ran and embraced him and kissed him fervently. Now, just, just for a moment, just realize the father is representing God, the son's mankind, and we have one son here who tried to do things his own way, came to, came to his senses, one translation, came to his senses and realized that what he had before was really better than what he currently had. 
And rather than trying to excuse his wrong behavior and, and to try to justify the decisions he had made because in a moment you'll see he had an older brother who was religious and arrogant. He could have easily said, I'm just tired of hanging out with my brother who's always doing these things that bother me. And you know, if he wasn't the way he was, I wouldn't have done what I did. Please understand, I'm not trying to give a free pass to anybody or anything, but I am saying this. Once somebody has repented from the bottom of their heart, notice that the father didn't say, well, in a year... After you work the fields, after you do everything that satisfies my desire to punish you, then I will let you come and be a part of the house. This is what churches do today and religion does today. It says, you know, after you've taken a year off, after you've taken a couple of years to prove to us that you really mean this, then we're going to let you come and eat at our table because that's exactly what happens. But not in this story. The father said, you know what? You came back. You humbled yourself. You repented. You confessed. You made no excuses. Today, here's what we're getting ready to do. Please understand this. When somebody hurts you, here's what happens, and even me. Our temptation when we get hurt is to hurt you at the same level you hurt us. That's what religious people do. The brother is about to say the same thing. I cannot believe you're allowing this to happen after everything he did to you, Father. Well, think about what we've done to the Father God, every one of us. That we've disobeyed, we've dishonored, we've gone our own way, we've done our own thing. And if you don't think you have, you're self-deceived. Every one of us has chosen our own way at some point in time. And if it were not for the grace of God and the mercy of God, there would be no hope for mankind. So very important that we don't miss this because every day somebody is probably going to do something to test what we believe and test who we are. And the last thing somebody needs to tell me when I've done wrong is I've done wrong. How many of you know when you know you've been stupid, stupid sticks? And it is hard to get off. And so we don't need somebody else coming and telling us how stupid we were. In fact, we need someone not telling us what we've not been, and we need people telling us what we could be. Because you know who you've been. I mean, you're not dumb. You know who you've been, but we need someone sometimes just to tell us, you know what, here's what you could be. When's the last time you just call somebody a champion who's an absolute idiot? And somebody with you knows they're an idiot. You know they're an idiot. Everybody knows they're an idiot, but you're calling them a champion. The people with you will call you out for calling them what they could be instead of what they really are. So when you start speaking to somebody what they could be, guess what? They might just become that. But when you start pointing out who they're not and what they haven't done to do things right, they will live in that zone because it's all they know, because it's all you're telling them. I needed somebody to tell me what I could become, not what I was. I knew what I was. Oh, I knew what I was. But I needed somebody to tell me that I could be everything that God created me to be. Instead of pointing, and we think we're doing people a favor by pointing out all their mistakes, their flaws, their failures, because after all, if I don't point those out, they're going to keep doing them. Not if you tell them and point them in a different direction of what they could be and what they could do. They might actually get interested. But religion always tells you your shortfall, your shortcoming. That's what happened when I was growing up. I thought, you know, we're all going to hell, and y'all aren't even having fun. If I'm going to hell, it's going to be a party getting there. And then religious people really get mad at you because you're having the fun they want to have. But you know. And then the religious people won't tell you sin is pleasurable for a season. 
Now, it bites like a viper at the end, but there is a time. And so the battle has been raging now forever, even since Jesus, the Pharisees, who were so judgmental and measured everybody by the law and judged everybody by what they weren't doing right and creating more laws to favor themselves. And, and Jesus comes in and he, he, he forgives a woman caught in the act of adultery. He, he goes into the house of a thief named Zacchaeus. He spends time at the well with a woman who wasn't even a Jew. Shacking up, been married four times. See, we don't we don't read the Bible like it's modern day. We read it like we see robes. We we see things differently. What I see when I read the Bible is a woman caught in the act of adultery is probably a pretty hot babe that's having her time. A lot of guys really liked her. See, the, I read the Bible like it's alive today. And, and that Jesus is looking, and they're all looking. And I'm going to tell you, the guys that are holding the rocks are sitting there going, man, before I stone her. Why do I know that? Because Jesus said, hey, any one of y'all that has not messed up, go ahead and rock this woman. And I'm going to tell you, in that moment, they're sitting there looking going, I get it, man. And Jesus is reading them, knowing what they're thinking. So before you start getting ready to chunk any rocks, I won't be preaching in any denominational conferences in the year of 2022. And if I am, you will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm the one who loves much because I've been forgiven much, trust me. And I am happy, and you ain't going to change that, and nobody else is going to change that. Because there are a lot of unhappy people that want you to join in their unhappy party. And I'm about to read the story of one of those people. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I no longer deserve to be recognized as a son of yours. But the father said to his bondservants, Bring quickly the best robe, the festive robe of honor, and put it on him. The festive robe of honor who has dishonored? Mm, come on, Jesus. And give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet, and bring out that wheat fattened calf and kill it. And let us revel and feast and be happy and make merry because this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to revel, feast, and make merry. But the older son was in the field. And as he returned and came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And having called out uh, one of the servant boys to him, began to ask what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. Your father has killed that wheat fattened calf because he has received him back safe and well. But the elder brother was angry with deep-seated wrath and resolved not to go in. I don't know about y'all, but I'd rather be invited to a party than have one. You don't have to bear the expense. It's just a thought. I always tell people there's only one... One thing better than owning a boat, having a really good friend who does. <laughs> then his father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Look, 
These many years I have served you and have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me so much as a little kid that I might revel and feast and be happy and make merry with my friends. Now, I wasn't like a little kid as I kid go. You know what I'm saying? Because some of y'all aren't farm people going, that's just terrible. But when this son of yours arrived who has devoured your estate with immoral women, you have killed for him that wheat-fattened calf. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But it was fitting to make merry, to revel and feast and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. See, this is the sad thing. The older brother didn't know that all he had was his as well. See, religion says, I can only get from God the level that I work for God. Now, please understand, there's a difference in works and obedience. If you're obeying God, it's not works. And just because you work doesn't mean you're obeying God. That's a whole different series. Because the reality is, where I come from, it was about keeping score. Who did the most? Who did it the best? And, 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 and who got the most applause? And, 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 and see, that's religion. Religion is all about us. Grace is all about God. And so religious people, and I'm not trying to be mean, and if this offends you, you might go home and look in the mirror and say, are you religious? Because religious people do get offended. I used to be one of them. I know. I, I'm a major. I've got degrees in legalism and religion. And so, I, you know, if I, the Bible says great peace have those who love the law of God. Not the law of man, but the law of God which Jesus fulfilled. I didn't come to abolish it, but I came to fulfill it. Why? Because now we can live through him. And so, great peace have those who love the law of God. Nothing shall offend them. So, if you're easily offended, there's a really good chance you have an ounce of religion, at least. So, if somebody wants you to get mad at somebody else with them, you're not doing them a favor by joining. You say, well, you know, I got your back. I don't have your back if your back's going to get crushed by religion. I got your back saying, look, why don't we have grace? I still go back to these people standing on street corners, and, and this is a big deal because most people I talk to get mad at them. You know, I hear they have swimming pools. I hear they make more money than everybody else. I don't care what they make. I don't care why they're standing there. What I care about is I care about the person. Now, you say, I think it's wrong for them to beg. Well, you know what? You don't know what they've been through, and you don't know why they're standing there, and it's really none of your business anyway. It's not my business. It's not your business. Your business is to pray and obey God. There have been times I've pulled up and I've seen them in God's like in my spirit, give them something. And my flesh is going, are you kidding me? But then that, see, that religion kicks in and says, now I'm going to do or not do based on what you did or didn't do. And you know what? God would not have sent Jesus based on what we did or didn't do. Trust me. He sent him for one reason, because he loves us. God didn't measure the fall of man and determine whether or not he was going to extend grace to us based on our behavior. He did it based on his heart. And so we don't win people to Jesus because we act like the world and we measure what they've done or not done. We measure who they are in Christ and even if they're not in Christ, but what they could become and who they could become. And this is hard because we oftentimes, and I, I'm not saying you enable people that, that are 
just relentless in acting the way they act. Sometimes you, you have to release people. But you never release them from your heart, from love, grace, and mercy, ever. I'm going to have to pump a little more heat in here to get you all warmed up. Gee, I'm preaching my heart out, and you're sitting there acting like you're cold. I'm sorry, it was a self-pity moment. The older brother had never understood or tapped into the grace of the father because he was the oldest, and culture and religion made him the automatic heir to the farm. Oftentimes, older believers lose sight of grace because our position in the church or at work, thus we forget the place from where we've come. How many of you ever heard, you know, I, I've, I've done more funerals than I'd ever want to do in a lifetime. I've attended more because that's a part of the preacher's job. And I've heard story after story of how good somebody was. And, how, and, you know, look, folks, I love people who are good, and I like being good. But my good ain't good enough to get me to heaven. Only my God is God enough to get me to heaven. And I hear them say, but they were a good person. You know what I love hearing at a funeral? They loved God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They embraced Him. They loved Him. That's what I want to hear. Because there are a lot of good people, and I, I don't mean this wrong, but please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Good people don't go to heaven, and bad people don't go to hell. That'll mess your day up right there. I've given you a week to think about this one. You think there'll be bad people? How many of you know? No, no, raise your hand. I know some bad Christians. I really do. I, I, I really do. And, you know, some of you say, yeah, because you know, it takes one to know one. I know. I get it. I get it. But the reality is I also know some good hellions. I, I, really, I know some people that don't believe in God, don't believe in Jesus, but they're really nice people. And, see, this is where we get caught up in. We, we get, we, we're torn between justification and sanctification. You're not saved because you're doing good. You're saved because God did good. You're justified by faith. You're not justified by being sanctified. You're sanctified because you're justified. There's a whole lot of fight going on in there. But the reality is, if you miss this, you will live a miserable life. Trying to be good. Trying to do everything right. And I want to do right. I want to be able to listen to this. The problem is, the Bible says there's not one righteous, not even one. That's why the Bible says we're the righteousness of God in Christ, because outside of Him there is no righteousness. No matter how good you are, how bad you are. And, and, and so that, the reason we, we're not happy, because we, 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 we can calculate our sins. I don't know, if, some of y'all may not be good at this. I'm really good at this, because I'm type A, and I could be as religious. I could have been a stellar Pharisee. I could have been the head Pharisee. I mean, I could tell you I didn't miss a day of prayer seven days a week up at 6 a.m. drooling before the throne of God. And that was enough for me. I, I was up at 6 and, the, you know, I fall asleep halfway through the prayer time. Because I know that because I'd wake up and I'd think, did I pray that? What am I doing in the floor of my closet? Because that's where you go. See, the, if you pray in a really hard place, you're a lot better Christian. Yeah. It's a true story. If your knees hurt, you're suffering and sacrificing, it's just, you're just tough for Jesus. 
No, man, I've learned that doesn't count. I like to play on a Sealy Posturepedic, <laughs> Temperpedic. I want to pray somewhere comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Hang out with Jesus with a cup of coffee. Yeah, I was hardcore. I was Pharisee. And, and I let everybody know, including God, how good I was. Yeah, you know what I do, God. I don't do what they do. That's what really, I don't do what they do. That's what religious, that's what the brother said. I've I done what he's done. No, but you wanted to. That's why you're mad. I think the older brother went to visit him and saw some of the babes he was with. I know that's a stretch, but I'm just, I, listen to me. The challenge in our world is that, that we're really, we're not really looking to Jesus. We're to set our eyes on the things above, not the things below. But if we set our eyes on the things below, we start comparing and measuring our life against the lives of others. Well, I don't do what they do, and I don't say what they say. I don't wear what they wear. I don't go to where they go. And all of a sudden, just because based on their lack of standards, all of a sudden your standards look good, which makes you better and closer to God. None of those things make you closer to God. What makes you closer to God is your heart after God. This just makes me happy. And I don't care if it makes you happy or not. I'm just thrilled right now. I deserved hell and probably still do every day, except by grace, I'm saved. That's it. It's real simple. And, and I don't have to try to sin. It just comes natural. <laughs> and some of you all think, well, that's cute. No, it's not cute because it comes natural to you too. And see, there are people who don't think they sin, but they gossip about the people who do, which means you're a sinner too. Because you're a gossip. Look at what they do. We go to church. We teach Sunday school. We haven't missed a service in years. We're so saved. We are so saved. I'm telling you right now, we're going first class in the first round that Jesus comes back. We're going up first. <laughs> That's what religious people think. It's like I can't wait until I pass them in the air. Hey! <laughs> See ya! Hope you make it! <laughs> Older brother, look, all these years, he didn't say, I've been working for you. I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, which right there is a lie. Nobody is perfect. There were days the father told him to do something. He went out and made an effort at doing it, but didn't do it. You know he didn't do everything right. Not even possible. It's not possible for you to do everything right. Not possible for me to do everything right. I am so thankful for grace, folks. Let me just tell you something. And, and you know, I, I remember back in the day, I don't know how, you're, how many of you have ever been afraid of dying. Probably most people. And, and it, you know, I used to have this fear thought. And, 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 you know, think about it. I don't even care anymore. It's an awesome life. Matter of fact, sometimes I wonder if I haven't died and I'm just having a good time. <laughs> That's how great life is right now. I got it over with. I died and here I am. I, I, I was apprehended by fear and God's not given us a spirit of fear. You can never live life if you're afraid of life, if you're afraid of dying, if you're afraid of living. You don't live. Now, I'm not suggesting that you be stupid, but... I don't have to suggest that. It just, it's just there. So here's, here's the problem, and I've shared this with you before, but it's one of the greatest lessons I got out of spending $100,000 on education. 
The church historically said this. If you'll behave, dress like us, talk like us, walk like us, look like us, and then you will believe what we believe in every detail, then you can belong to our church. We have classes for this. And guess what? Throughout history, there has been an, an elevation of some churches and a decline, a lot of decline in a lot of other churches. Because this generation has figured out that what was killing mom and dad was a religious attitude. And, and you know why? Because we dressed our kids in ways that we look back and we need to repent for how we dressed them. It was absolutely a sin to put your children in some of the things you put them in. And they looked and said, you dress me like that? How dare you? They had bonnets on, polka dots, hats this big, <laughs> posing like this. Our kids are going, my parents are nuts. All you got to do is look at my baby pictures. It started young. I need counseling. So we create these, these little clones, and, and they're, guess what? We expect them to represent us so that we look good. You want your kids to behave, so everybody goes, hey, they're great parents. No, there's no such thing as a great parent. <laughs> Come on, there is not a book out there that tells you how to deal with the 55,000 personality types. They're impossible. They're independent. They're created by God. And the best thing we can do is this. Love them and try to teach them what the Bible says, not what we want. Because if you love God, you want what the Bible says. Teach your kid to forgive. Well, that's going to be hard to do when they hear you talking about the knucklehead neighbor next door. Now, children need to forgive. Honey, did you see what our neighbors did today? And your kid's sitting right there. They're so dumb. I hope they move. Now, son, I want you to love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Be nice to your classmate. Don't talk mean about him. And the other neighbor. You see what I'm saying? So religion says, I got the, all the rules, but I can't keep the rules. Instead of looking at your kid and going, we need grace in this house. Because we got neighbors we can't stand. You got classmates you can't stand. Let's pray for them right now. Because some of the people we can't stand can't stand us. That's a revelation to some of y'all. Isn't it funny how we think everybody else is crazy, but we got it all together. Everybody likes us, and nobody talks about us. We are the family. But we don't say belong, believe, behave. That's not, we'll lose a generation and we are losing them. Behave. We, first off, it goes behave, believe, belong. And then the kind of grace church is belong, believe, behave. If you let somebody belong long enough and you love them, they will take on the attributes and they will take on what you are and who you are. You don't attract who you want. You attract who you are. If you don't like the friends you have, it's because you are the friend you have. That had a little sting in it. That's the reason at Mosaic, y'all are here. We're a lot alike. 
If we sit around and told stories, I think the rapture might come immediately. God goes, we got to get these people out of here. <laughs> While they're still living right, let's get them out of here. They still understand. Get them out of here. I'm ready anytime. My wife hates it when I say that. I say, honey, don't be afraid. I, when I get just to mess with her, I'll say, man, well, it's going to be really cool. Well, don't say that. I don't want you to die. <laughs> I'm going to live until Red Bull runs out. <laughs> belong. If you let somebody belong, you love them. That's called unconditional love. You belong. Once you let someone belong and you just love them, doesn't mean you agree with them, you're not endorsing, you're not supporting any wrong behavior. That's not the deal. You're simply living life differently in front of them. Then they start believing what you believe, and guess what happens? Eventually, they'll behave the way you behave. It's exactly what Jesus did. I mean, you look at the guys he had. He had guys that, that, that sold him out, Peter who cut off ears, Thomas, who doubted that he was really who he said he was. These were guys that you would not hire. And Jesus said, if I let them belong to my group, they'll change. And guess what they did? One of them's boiled in oil. The other one's crucified upside down for his faith in Christ, unwilling to renounce it. He said, I know that if I will love them and extend grace to them, they will become the men. The people I need for them to become. But again, religion always says, I'm going to punish you until I'm satisfied. And you know what? I'm justified because of what you did. This grieves me in the body of Christ. It grieves me. We've lost a lot. In, In the denomination I grew up in, women couldn't even speak. In church, they weren't allowed to speak. Do you realize what we did? We cut our army in half. Some of the most profound communicators in the world today are women. And yet, we didn't give them a voice because we misread the Bible. What a tragedy. Religion said, just because you're a lady, you have no voice. That is a crime. And we went with that, and we... Many denominations today still do not allow women on stage on Sunday morning. Folks, i got to tell you, that grieves my heart, and I'm sure it grieves the heart of God. Grace, we all need it. In Galatians chapter 3, and I'm pretty close to closing, I get a few passes. Galatians 3.22, but Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, locked it up, so that what was promised back in the days of Abraham, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe, not those who work. Now, do I believe that working in the kingdom and for the kingdom is an expression of appreciation? Absolutely, I do. Do I believe it's something God's called us all to do? Absolutely. But not because we have to, but because we want to. So the teachers who were teaching against Paul said this. Believe on Jesus, number one. Number two, obey God's law. Number three, you will be saved. Now, that sounds really good in passing. 
If I were to say that to most people, they go, that's really awesome. That's really great. No, it's really messed up. Believe in Jesus, obey God's law, and you'll be saved. Here's how it should read. Believe in Jesus, be saved, and you will obey. Not because you have to now, but because you want to. How many of you know that we, by nature, are defiant human beings? We're defiant creatures. Try this sometime. Just try it over time. Start asking someone instead of requiring someone. This is why the world's in chaos today. And I'm going to keep going down this pathway just because I, I, it, lightens, it lightens the crowd up. You have the pro-vaxxers and the pro-freers. They're not anti-vaxxers. They're pro-freedom. Now, please don't misunderstand. I don't care if you've been vaccinated or not vaccinated because I'm a grace guy. I want you to do whatever you want to do. But see, that's what call, it's called freedom. And so, but now we have the people that, literally, this happened to a friend of mine. He got COVID, and, and he hadn't been vaccinated, and a person said, it's because of people like you that it's spreading. <laughs> if I was 20, I would have hit him in the mouth. Because I was not saved. But I'm thinking, how dare you? How dare you? I mean, this, this is the craziest fight in the world. Why? Because here's what happens. Religion, legalism says you have to agree with me for me to like you, love you, and get along with you. That's religion. If you don't believe what I believe, behave the way I behave, you cannot belong to what I belong to. That goes against what God did. He sent Jesus, said none of y'all. He's going and he's got an eating with a thief. He's forgiven a woman caught in the act of adultery. And I don't know if I said it in this. Did I already preach on this yet? Did I talk about the woman caught in the act of adultery in this service? I did already? That she was good looking? Okay. I didn't know if that was 930 or this one. I may have to get another can. This is supposed to help my thinking. So, so what happens is we tell people, believe in Jesus... And, and obey. And, and obedience is great, folks. It's great. I'm not discounting it. But if you require someone to do something, and if they don't do it, and then you let that become a barrier between you and them, you are a religious individual. Jesus did not allow that to happen. He went into the homes of sinners. He went to parties with sinners. He forgave a woman caught in the act of adultery. He's at the woman at the well who's been married. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. And, and, and then, in crisis, here's what happens in, in, in Christianity oftentimes. In a crisis, rather than responding or using the Bible as a guide to healing and restoration and grace and forgiveness, what we do is we go, hold it, how do I feel about this? What should happen? What do they need? Well, the Bible tells you exactly. All we have to do is go to this. There's an answer to everything. I mean, all you have to do is look at the prodigal son. The father didn't say work in the fields for a year, and then you can be my son. He said, come home. I've already got a robe for you. And the brother's mad because the father is immediately restoring him to the table that he left without punishing him any further, knowing the son has already been punished enough that he acknowledged what he had done. He repented for what he had done. He humbled himself, and now the father says, come on, let's have a party. And the religious brother says, that's just not right. Because the religious brother wanted him to suffer for everything he had done, and he, wanted, he was going to suffer probably the rest of his life. 
Because religious people, you will never satisfy a religious spirit. You can't satisfy a religious spirit. The Pharisees took ten commandments and turned them into over 600. Because they couldn't even satisfy the ten. And that religious spirit continues today. We start comparing ourselves against the requirements or the laws. And now we don't because when you're saved by grace, you understand that the only hope of fulfilling any law is through Jesus Christ who fulfilled them all, didn't abolish them, but fulfilled them. Now the spirit that raised him from the dead lives in us. And when we mess up, we have the grace to cover it because we're living through him, not through the law. You need to go home and take some Tums after this. Because I'm just telling you, this kind of stuff right here, this is the great debate in society. So what I'm saying is, is I'm trying to bring healing to this. Because I hear a lot about we want to be unified, we want to be unified. We'll never be unified because we agree on everything. That's impossible. We will only be unified because we love even though we don't agree on everything. We live our whole lives like the Pharisees, wanting everybody to buy into exactly what we believe in and how we live and how we behave. And you know what? I hope you behave well and I hope you live well. But the reality is this. A religious spirit requires it. A grace spirit inspires it. Have a grace spirit. Have a grace spirit. Tell people what they can become. What they can do, not what they've done and what they haven't done. You're better than this. You can do it. Nothing's too difficult for the God who lives in you and loves you. Nothing's impossible with Him. We're going to live our lives to the very best. And I'm not going to let what's going on in all the networks and all the hacking and the meanness and hate and all that. Look, I'm speaking to some of y'all today that are mad at people who aren't vaccinated. And I'm speaking to some of y'all who aren't vaccinated or mad at people who are. Stop. It's not your body. It's theirs. And if they're afraid of getting it from you, then stay away from me. I'm not going to go home because you don't like me or want to be around me. I'm going to live my life. You live your life. Let's be happy. I can't be happy. You're just spreading it everywhere. No, did you realize that the people who got it are spreading it too? And they're getting it again. We have three friends called us this week, fully vaccinated, boosted, and everything, and they got it. Now, I ain't mad at you. So they ain't going to die. They would have died if they hadn't. How do you know that? Well, since when did you become Dr. So-and-so? You see what I'm saying? We've got all these ideas that we've heard from talking heads. And can I just tell you something? There's a whole lot of lying going on up in here. I know you're not supposed to say that at the church stage, but I figure this is a good place. No, you got to tell the truth. We, 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 you know, anybody, this is the problem. You're looking for somebody to believe. The only person that's never failed is Jesus. The only one I can believe, if I'm going to believe anything, I'm going to believe right here. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, it'll quicken my mortal body. 
If I die, I'm going to go to heaven and not pay one more stinking mortgage bill, electric bill, gas bill, no bill, no sickness, no disease, no sorrow. Scare me with heaven, would you? Just don't worry. It's not going to change one thing tomorrow. It's not going to change one thing. Be wise. Do whatever you want to do. I'm just telling you, I love you no matter what. Those of you watching online, haven't been in church in two years, love you. I I do, I do. I miss you. And and you don't want to come unless you're really ready because I'm going to hug you. I'm going to spread love. I don't spread COVID. I spread love. I'm a spreader of everything good. We'll cough some Jesus up on you. (laughs) You see, sometimes you just need to laugh. You do. Sometimes you just need to laugh. And I know some of you haven't done that in so long that you're afraid your face will crack. You know, it's like... (sighs) I'm going to close with this. This is my last one pretty sure legalist faith and obedience go together and result in salvation this is their thought faith and obedience go together and result in salvation sounds good again but the reality is faith and salvation go together and result in obedience faith and salvation go together to result in obedience you know what when i got saved i wanted to obey god it was no longer before i was saved i didn't want to get saved because i saw religious people working to obey god and they were all mad and miserable they really were they were angry people and, you know and, and you know you, you didn't come into church and they were so glad to see you you haven't been here in six months or six years you're going to hell hit the altar right now and then monday we want to see that haircut and we want to see jeans changed We'll see you behaving, and we might let you into our club. Yeah, that wasn't for me. (laughs) That was not my bag of tricks. Now, I didn't understand this either, so I was in this chasm between the two going, God, where are you? And I can no longer gratefully, no longer boast about any greatness, any goodness, anything I've done. It's all been the grace of God. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for all of you watching. Because I wouldn't have come back. Had it not been for the grace of God. I'd still be living on an island. Swimming for Jesus. But now, I'm in the wonderful state where the wind comes sweeping down the plains, tornado alley, ice storms, cold, dead trees and grass. Just beautiful. (laughs) Oklahoma elevation, three feet. (laughs) Well, I've probably done enough damage today. And, uh, You know, the greatest joy of my life is to see people living a life of joy. There are so many hurting people, depressed people, 
angry people today. And let me tell you, when, when you start losing your freedoms, it'll make anybody mad. That's what we're seeing. The world is scared to death. And Victor Frankl taught me how to live a life of freedom in a world that's a gas chamber. Man's search for meaning. When you find God and you find Jesus, you can endure anything. Because greater he is he who's in you than he is in the world. We will get through this. And the day will come when you'll hear these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Faithful over the small things, we rule over much. God loves you. God loves you. Not because of the works that you've done, but because you've accepted the work that he did. Live free. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to judge ourselves. You said, just judge. And we've judged and said we need a Savior. We're sinners. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve everything that you've offered to us, but you've offered it anyway. So, Lord, I pray for those watching that are down on themselves. They've been beat up and beat down their whole lives. They've been told everything they've done wrong, how bad they really are. And yet, you look upon them and you see everything that they were created to be, everything they could be, everything they want to be, all of us. And you whisper in our ear, you can do it. I'm on your side. Nothing's impossible with me. Lord, I pray for those who have just, they're on the edge of giving up because they just can't be good enough. And they're just about to quit. I pray for you today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray a prayer of salvation. you're going to be saved immediately I want all of you to pray this with me say Father God thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son for my life Jesus thank you for giving your life for me today I give my life to you I repent of my sin thank you Jesus Amen. That simple prayer, exercising faith, acknowledging. It's all this son did was acknowledge. I've gone my own way. I don't deserve to be here. And the father began to just heap reward upon him after a, just, just giving him gift after gift. Genuine repentance. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Even in here, text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. And let us know. It's for you more than for us. It's just important that you let somebody know today I made that decision. So please do that right now. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. 
We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.